0: ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters i want to welcome each and every one of you to another very exciting episode of the do i offend you podcast my name is carl Britt. i am your host i am your truth teller all right quick shout out to my buddy derek Lenz and his family out there in florida doing some very serious uh deep water he's a professional fisherman this guy I don't even know if he caught a trout, but can you please hurry up and get back home because we need you. We meet, we need you, we miss you, and we love you. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, Lord bless the Linz family. Um, hope you guys had a good vacation out there uh, visiting uh, family and friends. All right, hallelujah! I am so excited about this. Listen, when I say this is going to be one of the best episodes ever on the on the podcast trust and believe we are going to be uh interviewing brother carlos lopez Um, i spoke with him at length for a part one of a two-part series that i'm doing with him Uh, this fella might be one of the most decorated vietnam vets of all time okay uh, let me read off some of the medals that he's that he's picked up, okay? He's got the Army of Occupation Medal. He's got the Commendation Medals, uh, six of them. He's got the Vietnam Campaign Medal. He's got the Vietnam Service Medal, the National Defense Service Medal. He's got five Good Conduct Medals, the Bronze Star Medal, and ultimately, the Purple Heart. And uh, you know, I'm just reminded—well, uh, I'm reminded of several things. But I think about Gideon and some of these other fellows that went into went into battle. You know, and the Lord kept them. Serious hand-to-hand combat and some grueling battles that uh, the Lord had His hands on them and brought them through. And, you know, I'll just tell you, man, when the Lord decides to keep somebody, he knows how to do it. But uh, we're going to be talking with brother and sister Carlos. I'm not going to spend too much time on this intro. As a matter of fact, we're going to get right into it. It's very exciting. Uh, I want to say a couple things real quick. It gets a little bit of emotion. uh, It gets a, a bit emotional for him at times. Um you know, reliving some of the stuff and, and we didn't hold back too much on, you know, some of the, the violence, it gets gory, if you will, but I, I felt that that was needful and, um, you know, he, he has, uh, a little bit of a struggle getting through some of the parts of it and, and, and that's just, um, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that this stuff stays with you for life and, um, he, bless his heart. He's such a sweet saint of God. He is a great testimony of how God kept him. He was 18 years old when he went into the Vietnam War. And this man saw action, okay, as uh, as much action as a person needs to see. Um, he was a tunnel rat, uh, which is one of the fellas that they send down into them tunnels with a flashlight and a knife and a gun. And he has to go flush the Viet Cong out. Uh, he was also a point man. Um, a lot of people don't understand what a point man is. Let me let me let me clarify this. A point man is uh, a fella. He goes ahead of the platoon um, by several usually a hundred yards, uh, 50 yards to a hundred yards out, and he's got a scout with him. They're always out front. and you know, from the books that I've read on Vietnam, the point man usually never fared very well. And ultimately, um, even Brother Carlos as a point man got, uh, got caught up in a booby trap. Uh, his scout and himself got blown up. And I'm going to let him tell about that in his own words. But the fact that he survived that, came home, uh, was still relatively very young uh, when he had to put a life together for himself. This is a two-part series that we're doing, Um, and this is going to be part one, and I'm going to turn it over here just briefly, uh, here in a minute, and we're going to get right into this interview. I want to say real quick, I'm going to say it again, but I want to say right from the onset that, uh, you know, some of the material that's talked about, please use your discretion. You know, if it's not something you want the kids to hear, then by all means, uh, send them out uh, to play in the backyard or video games or whatever kids do nowadays. But um, uh, I want to say real quick too, man, Lord bless you, Sister Lopez. She is a sweet, sweet woman. Uh, she was there by his side the whole time and, um, you know, right up close to him, had her arm around him, and and, and at times they both broke down uh, crying And she's just a good, supportive, sweet, apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled woman. And I can say this on behalf of the entire church um, at Second Chance, that we appreciate these folks. And, um, you know, they had to set back for a while because of COVID, but they're back now in full swing. And, you know, I love to hear her get her shout on. You know, once she gets moved by the Holy Ghost, she'll get to going, boy. And I love that. Um, Anyhow... So I want to say thank you so much for everybody to tuning in to what is potentially going to be the absolute best episode I have ever had the privilege to conduct here at the Do I Offend You podcast. Um, all of those that are praying for me in my outreach ministry, it's I'm going to give an update, not on this episode, but here in just a few episodes, we're going to talk about some things that God's already put into my lap I did five Bible studies this week. I got another one coming up this weekend and the Lord is just really, really opening doors. Thank you for praying for me. Uh, there's nothing better than prayer. Uh, it, it's it's just an absolute and I need it. And I'm so grateful to all of you that remember my name and my ministry uh, when you go to the Lord in prayer. All right, so uh, once we conclude this interview with Brother Carlos, I'm going to end it. And I'm going to try to end just about every other podcast episode with a 15 minute segment on divine appointments with my buddy, David Hall. It won't always be with, with David Hall, but for the most part, it will be, but anybody that wants in can get in. If you got a divine appointment and you want to talk to me about it, please feel free to call uh, 619-392-5313. That's the Do I Offend You podcast 24-hour hotline. Please call me, and uh, we will talk about your divine appointment on the air. Um, I'm a firm believer in divine appointments, and uh, some people make the most of them. Some people do not. All right, so we're going to check in with with my brother, David Hall. I myself am leaving here in just about an hour and a half. I'm going to Northern California for this uh, beautiful Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm going to be um, kind of on a pleasure, leisure, soul-saving mission. Um, Got some folks I'm going to be taking with me on Sunday to Pastor Miles Young's church at The Rock Church and try to uh, introduce them to the Lord and His goodness. Uh, But at the same time, I'm going to spend a good chunk of my evening tonight with a a poll of my own in the Delta Mendota. Uh, or actually probably in Rio Vista somewhere and some deep water channels for some catfish. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, an exciting little vacation for me. Um, I don't know when the next time is I'm going to get one, so this might be my last hurrah for a little while. And I'm excited about it, but um, hey, Lord bless all of you. And without any further to do, I bring you my interview about the life of Brother Carlos Lopez, and his trip to the Vietnam War at the age of 18. Lord bless. Now, right, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I am so glad you can join us for this awesome episode. Uh, I am here, as promised, with uh, brother and sister Carlos Lopez, and uh, we are getting ready to go into some dynamic stories about uh, not only about his time in the Vietnam War, but we're going to correlate that into our fight, fighting the good fight here on earth, fighting that spiritual battle and all the rewards that we know we're going to have coming when we're entered into that kingdom. Uh, Brother Carlos Lopez, Lord bless you and welcome to the Do I Offend You podcast. Thank you. Um, So, would you tell us just a little bit about yourself? We want to know about your age that you are now. I would like to know what year you went into Vietnam, and what age you were, and, and, and for what branch did you serve?
1: Okay. I was 18 years old when I entered the U.S. Army
0: right out of high school. Okay, and that was what year? It was 1967. 1967. Yes. And how many years uh, were you in the land of Vietnam? I was there almost a year. And, And until you received the Purple Heart? Until uh... You were wounded? Until I was wounded. Okay. All right. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. All right. God bless you. So everybody. So, you know, here's the thing. The Lopez is here. Sister Lopez, you want to give a shout out real quick? You want to say hello to everybody? Hello, everybody. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. You guys are some fine folks here at the Second Chance uh, Church family. It's it's so exciting. So uh, let me just real quick talk for a minute about what brought this about this interview. Okay, number one, I've had a, as I explained earlier, as a kid, I really fantasized about all things Vietnam. I've read many, many books. I've written about it. And um, when the pastor used your testimony the other day in church, hey, that was dynamic. That box of medals that he had up there, okay? So it's fair to say that you are a highly decorated Vietnam vet. Okay, Uh, the list of medals that I've already talked about, I've already went through them all. Um, But what I want to do right now and, you know, so just to give a disclaimer to everybody in attendance today on this episode, let me just tell you, we're we're going to we're not going to pull any punches. You've already heard my blue shirt, so you've heard some of the rougher parts of life. Uh, concerning drugs and violence and all that kind of stuff. We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty today about this man's time as a tunnel rat and a point man in Vietnam. It's absolutely exciting, his testimony, his story. So uh, some of this might not be for the faint of heart. It might not be for the young. So use your discretion. So um, let's get right into it, Brother Carlos. First and foremost, let me say thank you so much Uh, for coming. Let me get your glasses. That way you don't fall. I want to, I want to say, I appreciate you folks for lending your time. God bless you for that. Um, And so I've listed all these medals that you have. Okay. And it is an absolute miracle. Okay. We know when you talk about the loss of life and the, the, um, age roughly around from 19 to 21, uh, and even younger 1817 mm-hmm. and, and these young boys and 58,000 of them uh, that we know have perished in that war and for you to make it through uh, the combat that you were in and serving our country. You know what? If I break down and cry, hey, I'm patriotic. I'm not afraid. I got a hanky and I will shed some tears. I don't care. It touches my heart yeah. to know that God kept you and that you're such a blessing as part of this church. So I'm going to turn this mic over to you kind of for the most part. And um, if I if I have a question or anything like that, I'll just interject. And this is a real informal Uh, conversation we're having, but I know your testimony is powerful, it's deep, it's exciting, and it's going to be used. So, uh, why don't you just tell us real quick about, and you can start uh, um, when you were young, when you were just going to go in, and you, you you know, I don't know if, you weren't drafted, right? No. Okay, you just volunteered, okay? So, were your parents against it?
1: Well, not really, but it was up to me, because when I, I volunteered in the service. I wasn't at home. I had gone to a, a job course center.
0: Okay. All right. Endings. And
1: in there, we had a recruiter had gotten in there, and the guys that had just turned 18, they were the ones that he had talked to them about joining the military. And uh, he went ahead and gave us a, a, a test, you know, to see for how we did the test, and it was only three of us they had gone in the service from the Job Corps Center. Wow. And it was uh, one guy from uh, Florida, the other guy from Tennessee, and myself from California.
0: Okay. So let me ask you this. When you were um, going through the motions to get enlisted, uh-huh. was it your intent to go to Vietnam?
1: It was uh, pretty much it was because, see, back then they had the draft. Right. And uh, being 18 years old, I was already classified 1A for the draft. So I figured, well, they're going to grab me anywhere. Right. So I went ahead and joined the service. And uh, what I wanted, I didn't get. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that's a story. That was during the Vietnam War, so they they didn't care. And
0: that's a a story with a lot of folks, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um, So we kind of went in buddy system. Okay. All three of us. All right. And so how far out of boot camp? Um, did you get shipped to Vietnam? Well, I took my
1: basic training. And then from there, I finished my basic training. It was, uh, I believe, eight weeks, two months. Then after that, we got orders to go to... uh, I got advanced infantry training. Mm -hmm. So I went to Fort Polk, Louisiana. Right. How tall were you? I was... uh, Well, right now I'm 5'5". So it might have been, you know, a list. So you were five-five, five probably then yeah. at eighteen. I don't think yeah. you grow too much after no. that,
0: right? And 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 how much did you
1: weigh? I probably weighed about a hundred
0: and thirty, I would say. Okay, so you were small enough to squeeze your oh, body yeah. down into them uh, tunnels. I was a little guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So because we know that you were what is termed a tunnel rat. Yes. Okay, and for those of you out there that do not know what that is, it's a, it's one of the bravest positions a man can take upon himself in the Vietnam War, with thousands and many miles of tunnels uh, dug deep under the mountains in the terrain of Vietnam. And they will take these, uh, these American soldiers, these heroes, these, these, these guys that are fit and trained for battle. And um, if you were a certain size, Uh, you were able to squeeze down into these tunnels and uh, they called you a tunnel rat and they gave you what, what weapons did they give you? The weapon that I used to have, I had a, a 45, a bayonet and a flashlight. Okay. So why don't you do, why don't you do this? Obviously at some point, did you come into contact with anybody underground? Uh, I did, but
1: as soon as they, they would see us or, you know, myself, they would go out through the tunnel
0: and maybe out another spider hole. Okay, so you never saw action actually in the hole. No, I didn't. Okay, but I I guarantee you, your heart stayed pounding, didn't it? I
1: seen a lot of uh, obstacles that I had to go through, like uh, you know, trip wires, booby traps, and at times they even had snakes inside the tunnels. Oh yeah. See, I can't. I couldn't do it. Yes. All right. So always had to, you know, stay with your eyes open. And just pray to God that you know you didn't
0: come in contact with none of that stuff. Right now, at one point, and this would have been a little earlier, a little bit earlier than sixty-seven. Uh huh. Um, the life expectancy was forty-five minutes in certain areas of Vietnam, and they would tell you that. And and so boys would land in them helicopters. They would hit them hot landing zones and jump out and uh, hit the bush. And knowing that they've just been told that the life expectancy is literally 45 minutes, so you've got that in in your mind as well. Can you just tell me real quick about that point in time when your feet first hit the soil of Vietnam? Well, from my experience,
1: the first time I hit the soil, I felt right face of my uh, right flat in my face coming <laughs> off the helicopter into uh, a rice paddy. Okay. And uh, that day, it was hard for me, you know, being that uh, it was my first day out there in the bush, like they say. And I had a hard time that that day. Yeah. I even had a friend of mine from Arizona. He see me struggling, trying to get out of that mud in the, in the rice paddy. So he told, he told me, take off your gear and let me have it. So the only thing I was, had my M16 with me because he, he knew He had seen that I was having a hard time going through the swamps and all
0: that. Yeah. Now, at the time that you were struggling to get out of this mud, was there artillery going off and bombs going off? Could Uh, you hear them in the distance? Then
1: it wasn't, but we could hear a sniper fire shooting at us. Right.
0: Okay, absolutely, of course.
1: Because pretty much whenever we got off helicopters, we always had a, you know, sniper fire. at us. Yeah. Coming from
0: the jungle. Okay, so um, that leads me to the next question. Mm -hmm. All right. So at some point um, in your your defense of our country, Uh we'll just put it like that. I'm not going to go into the politics of it because it'll make me mad. All right. And it it might upset you too, probably. But at some point, you were in a position where either you're going to take life or your life is going to be taken. Yes. Did you ever come to that place?
1: Well, when I was in Vietnam, I knew that uh, I was trained to do one job whether live or die. Yeah. And I knew that I was my life was in danger 24/7.
0: Right. Um and obviously you've done what you had to do yeah. to, to get through it, all right? We we didn't even have to go into the details of that, but I will say this, um when you look at a Vietnam vet. Yes. And I've read many, many, many books, over 100 books I've read on Vietnam. So I got a real good sense of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's probably as as good as you could without being there. Looking at your medals, all right, your medals speak volumes of certain actions or Mm -hmm. certain situations that took place in Vietnam. And the Medal of Honor and the the Bronze Star and all these different different medals, they speak volumes about – really what it means to be number one courageous a hero strong okay now you you, you uh, and let me let me just go a step further so you're scared to death okay like everybody else over there sometimes probably on autopilot okay right full of adrenaline tired muddy dirty wet And yet you still manage to do the actions that are required in order to live through it. Number one, but to receive these medals, Mm -hmm. I'm going to direct this, um, this portion of the interview to the purple heart. Yes. Okay, so you got the purple heart. And, um, you know, we know that the purple heart is, is posthumous as well, right? It can be given to those who have passed. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So you're, you are a, um, (laughs) we'll say a kept instead rather than luck. We don't believe in luck, but God had his hand on you because you have the purple heart and you're here alive and well to tell about it. And I'm going to ask you Mm -hmm. to go ahead and take this microphone for however long you need. Okay. We have about 45 minutes, use up whatever you want. And I would like you to take us through that day starting, uh, starting from the morning um when you were um, out in the bush mm-hmm. and what took place what transpired well as i can remember it
1: was uh early morning we had boarded up boarded the helicopters because we were on a search and destroy mission and i remember Around noontime, we just kept patrolling. And and I was a point man there, and I had a, a Viet Cong, former, uh, former Viet Cong as a scout. In Vietnam, they had a program called Shoe Hoi Program, where if you're a former enemy, United States will take care of right. your family. So we had... Uh, scouts working with us and that morning we were on patrol they had told me that i was going to be a point man which i used to be be appointment all time and i was good what i used to do yeah and i had a scout with me and every time i would see him he be you know him being a a former vietcong he knew the terrain right and that morning we were patrolling side by side with him, you know, and I remember he stopped and he, he we used to make sign languages here because, you know, he speak that much English, right, you know, right. just a little bit. So me being a point man, I stopped and I asked him, you know, like best, you know, I could and he kept pointing to the ground. He has seen footprints, I guess, in the mud. Yeah. 'Cause we were in jungle. Then one of uh I believe was one lieutenant, he came and tells me, What's the matter, Lopez? I said, Young Young spots something on the front. And after that, he he went back and told the uh the the rest of the the platoon, you know, stand down. He said, Young Young and Carlos, you know. They they spot some up up in the front. Right. So I kept patrolling slowly, slowly creeping into the jungle. Is it dead quiet? Uh it's real quiet. You could feel the danger. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because <clears throat> you don't even hear birds. Yeah. Or nothing. Right. It's just real, real quiet, and you it feels scary. Cause yeah. You know, there's something out there. Yeah. And I remember that he kept telling, you know, that he knew there was something out there. Yeah. And what I did, I sent word back, you know, so that they were ready too, you know. Right. So we kept patrolling, patrolling. And then one of my other comrades, he come and said, Carlos, Carlos, what is it? I said, you know, Young Young spots something up ahead. Right. And he tells me, let, let me pull point. Let me pull. Point. I said, no, 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 no. I said let, let me do it. So we must have walked maybe about oh, I say about two hundred feet.
0: Okay. Farther up. So okay, let, let, let me just real quick interject right here because yes. I want the people to understand that the point man Is the man in front? You're the the hood ornament of that car at that time, okay? (laughs) Yes, I was. And you're creeping as quiet and silence as you can, and you don't need to see nothing. You can feel that it's there. Oh yes, you can feel it. You can feel it. Okay, go ahead, continue.
1: And probably walked about oh two hundred feet up in the front. Okay. And all of a sudden, this we got ambushed. Okay. But with bullets and grenades. It was bullets, grenades and everything, you know. And I remember the other guy with me. I had told him, you know, keep an eye on booby traps. And I guess he got excited or what. And he stepped on a booby trap and I was behind him with uh, the scout next to me. Right. And boom. As soon as uh, the explosion, I remember
0: i'm sorry you're all right everything is going to be all right we'll get through it in jesus name this ain't an easy story to tell folks it's been many 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 years but just reliving it uh has my 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 brother here on the emotional edge uh and and, but this is a story that uh (coughs) um that is like i said it's not for the faint of heart so go ahead brother. yeah that day you know now it killed that man right there right he stepped on a bomb and, well, well it, see did it kill him it blew both of us up right as soon as he hit that that
1: booby trash it was signed for the enemy that we got him now yeah so all of a sudden you know everything broke loose yeah And i remember when i got hit I must have flew up in the air somehow, and up on getting blown up, I hollered, "Mom!" Boom, and that
0: was it. I came down to the ground, and everything is it just uh, it's just erupted, erupted. So, so your boys that are behind you—they're moving in now, and they're—they're—they're yes. they're, they're on it. And uh,
1: <clears throat> the ambush was—it was a goal. And I could hear all the machine gun, all the grenades going off, all the those uh, grenade launchers, and yep. we were there. And I remember the they start hollering, "Medic, medic, medic!" And I guess this medic had never seen action, nothing. And he went to us right away. He's trying to open up his bag, and he was just went in a circle. He was shaking. But he couldn't open up his bag for us to start treating us. He was in shock. And I was just laying there, and I was burning inside. and just I was just dying. Yeah. And I could see the other guy doing the same thing, too. You know, we're all all bleeding up. Yeah. Did you think you were going to die at that point? You know, to me, I think
0: death was right there with me. Yeah. But God yeah. was there. Right. Now you come from an apostolic background, is that right? Yes, my mother, she was
1: apostolic all the time that I was in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. She would be praying day and night. Yeah, I have a little brother that uh, he to tell me, to tell him that I was in Vietnam there. My mom, she was a total wreck. Oh yeah, you know she, she would be up at night just praying to God, praying to God, yep. you know, crying, and he would stay up with her all through the night. Mom, what's wrong? Mom, go to bed. My mom goes, no, I'll be okay, okay. But all that time that I was in Vietnam, my mom was a total wreck. She was in and out of the hospital. Okay, yeah. For what reasons? The doctor said, you're okay, you're okay, nothing wrong with it. But yeah, she nerves. Did. She was having a nervous nerves. breakdown.
0: That's that's really what it amounts Until to.
1: Until when I came back from Vietnam, it looked like she didn't have to go to the doctor no more.
0: Right, because her, her baby's home. She's healed. Yes. You know, um I can kind of relate to that a little bit my mom prayed. Yeah. me. I mean, just in travail for the most part of 20 years and, and God had his hand on me in several, several, um, well, you know, close calls or whatever while I was in the penitentiary, nothing like this, however, yes. what you're talking about. So, you know, it's really a Testament to the fact that, you know what, uh, God had his hand on you oh, uh, yes, because that could have been, that could have been, that could have, it could have killed you. So let me ask you, and I'm going to get into some details real quick. If this makes you uncomfortable, if you need to stop the interview yeah. at any time, you know, just raise your hand and we'll stop the interview, or we'll change course and talk about something yes. else, okay? Yes, go ahead, sister. Um, I know that he shared with me that way before when he knew it was his time to go out there, him and another buddy, was. He was, He I think he was uh, 11. Yeah, but
1: two, two other uh, comrades, you know, we used to... Uh, hold hands before boarding the helicopters and pray and pray because born in that helicopter, I would pray to God to bring me back to the fire base. Yeah. Because a lot of my friends went out there.
0: They didn't come back. Okay. That's a, yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And, 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 so, you know, um, God only knows and you know yes, what you saw out there. And, and just the fact that you are, you know, and I can testify that you are completely in your right mind, Mm -hmm. your faculties, you might suffer some PTSD as they call it or whatever, you know, and he's a heart attack survivor on top of everything. So, you know what, God, listen, I'm gonna tell you, God kept you alive the whole time. So you could be on this podcast Mm -hmm. to tell your testimony. All right. Amen. That's just how I have to look at it. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Um, I'm going to go just into a little bit more detail on this day. Um, the purple heart is a sacred metal. Okay. And it's, it's, um, for you, it shows that, um, you lived through something horrific. Yes. Okay. That could have easily killed you. Was it shrapnel that tore into your body and your, was your midsection? I believe you told me, right? Your belly.
1: It was, uh, pretty much all over my body.
0: Okay. The hand and all that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you got all kinds of scars. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Okay.
1: And then on my, my medical profiles, it states there that I also got a gunshot to my side. So I believe that when we got ambushed, that's what happened also.
0: Yeah. So you took a bullet and a bomb. Yes. Okay. And back to the medic, Yes. This young man, never been in action. All of a sudden, there's an ambush breakout, and he sees his comrades uh, losing uh, their lives, basically, right before mm-hmm. his eyes. Yes. He's too panicked to even get the bag open to help you. What happened from there? Well,
1: that day, he could not get his bag open to uh, start trinas us, and I was there just dying. I was burning inside just. I kept hollering water, water, because you know it was Yeah. And I remember the the lieutenant, he went ahead and I started giving him some water with can open up his canteen and give me water. And I was just in pain. Yeah. And yet I could hear every all the commotion going around and yet I was laying there like yeah. practically dying already.
0: Yeah.
1: And I remember he went ahead and finally he opened the bag because the man couldn't. Right. He opened the bag and started, you know, doing whatever he was trained for also, too. Right. And he, he had gotten some morphine. Yeah. And shot me around the leg. Yeah. And then he got that little, he pinned it to my, my shirt right here. Okay. So I guess when uh they took me to the medevich, they knew that you he had morphine. injected morphine on you know I me. Mean? Right. Now, did that help you at all right away? Uh, not right away because uh I could still I was still in pain. Right. But I never lost conscience. I could still hear what was going on around me, right. And I could hear all that radio talk they were you know calling in and you know, for support and everything. And must have been out there about a little over, I would say half an hour, okay, we were pinned down. Yeah, yeah. It was open season us. <laughs> oh yeah. And I remember I never passed out or nothing. I heard the the chopper chopper coming in and he was coming in for us. Yeah. And I could hear those the, the two door gunners on the side just tearing it up, you know. Yeah. Letting loose. Letting loose on both sides, you Woo! know. Thank and you I know. remember they they got us, you know, I think it was me first and and they threw me in a in a helicopter, like in a like a stretcher or whatever it was. Right, right. They got him also in and, and I I could still hear all the commotion, and I was laying down and looking out the helicopter, and I remember the helicopter just got up and it left. And I could still hear all that noise. Yeah, they were still going at They're it. They're still going at it. Yeah. So
0: let me ask you,
1: oh, go ahead. And then after that, I don't know how long it was, we were en route to the field hospital, and I still remember when they, they landed at at the I guess landing area there, you know. And some Vietnamese they used to work around the compound, I guess, you know, they were south Vietnamese, you know. And they got me in a like a stretcher and they couldn't even carry me because I was dead weight. Wow. <laughs> and I was just a little guy, you know. So I imagine with the other guy, he was he's a big guy. Oh yeah. Big black guy, you know. Unreal. And I remember they stuck me inside that that room it was a big it was something like mash you know I don't remember oh yeah oh like yeah mash field, yeah i remember like mash like you know? and pierce and all them yeah
0: and so were they were were they scrambling to work on you did it did it did it frighten you well see
1: i was there already you know like feeling pain just looking at everybody and i, I did not know what was going on after that like you know i said oh am i going to die or what right. you know but i was pretty much out of it already right. on a kind of that of morphine
0: right in and shock. all, all kinds sure of things going shock.
1: through my mind you know will I ever see my parents and you know my loved ones and i remember the the nurses they're all dressed in green you know like camouflage green yeah. and they got my clothes with scissors they cut, cut them right off cut your clothes right off yeah and i remember they brought in like a they brought in like a portable x-ray machine And they started, you know, I guess, going through whatever, you know, to see where I had gotten hit, whatever they had to do. And after that, I remember that uh, it was a big light, a big light. And they, they were injecting me with all kinds of, I guess, medications. They were preparing me, I believe, you know. Right. And then after that, I remember just waking up in a in the recovery room with a bunch of soldiers there. Some were hollering, some were, you know, bandaged mm-hmm. up in the face. And and I was just laying there in a the small
0: little, it looked like a crib. <laughs> wow. And how old were you? I was 18 years old. 18 years old. All right, so you're 18 years old and you're you're near mortally wounded, severely wounded. Yes. And can you tell us a little bit about what those wounds were?
1: Well, when I got hit, I got hit, uh, I believe, with a gunshot after the ambush. And the grenade mine, whatever it was, it, it blew me up. And some of my wounds were to my shrapnel on my legs, okay. my back, and some were on my neck area, my stomach, pretty much all over
0: my body. Right so severe that they ended up ultimately, yes. uh, after making a couple of stops, took you to Japan, flew you into Japan, right? Yes. Okay, and what are they telling you uh, at this point? What are the doctors telling you? What kind of prognosis are they giving you? Well, I remember
1: was in Japan, I was already, you know, been operating in Vietnam from some of my wounds, and a lot of the stuff, they, they still had to remove shrapnel. Well, I got to Japan. A lot of that was uh, recovery. And uh I also had my spleen
0: removed. Okay. It just ruptured it. Right. Well, um I wanna I wanna kinda take us back prior to this day that uh that ended the war for you, yes, obviously, right? And thank God you lived through it. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you. All right. So this wasn't your first your first uh, skirmish if that's the right word. this wasn't your first no, it t- wasn't time really getting into it. Can you take me to a time prior to this that um, and you know what is it, let me tell you what's so fascinating about this okay and and sad to me is that you were only 18. Yes, okay, an 18 year old boy uh, you should be having a job at a car wash somewhere all right or whatever going to college or whatever the case might be um and here you are in vietnam spilling out your blood uh, for this country for the red white and blue and um you know i want to go back to any other day and and if you could let us know uh uh, we're going to talk here about another battle that you were in Mm -hmm. okay and we know already what we're getting ready to talk about it's a specific battle How long after the battle we're going to talk about did this blowing up take place? What do you mean? Okay, so um, the battle you're going to talk about right now. Okay. How far back was it from the time that you earned this Purple Heart? Was it several months prior or was it weeks prior?
1: This was after, but there was more uh battles before this one okay so this was was my last one
0: right this was your last one we're going to go back in time and talk about another battle and then i'm then it'll be easier for me to lead to that question uh and and we'll backtrack on that so go ahead and let us know about this battle that you're going to and this is one that you lived through obviously and you were unscathed all right go ahead take the mic brother carlos well I
1: remember there was there was quite a, a few more battles before my last last battle that were you know I got hit right I remember one time also too that we were on patrol close by a village and we had enemy fire firing at us and and we were just firing back and I remember it was it it got to be pretty heavy So, they called in the gunships. We're, you know, pretty much getting fired at. Right. And I remember doing the same thing, you know, everybody else was doing, just defending each other, shooting back. Then must have been about, oh, 15 minutes of just combat back and forth. And after that, the gunships and other support artillery. And after that, we kept uh, patrolling the area.
0: Were you boys entering into a village at this time, or what was the setting?
1: It was a village. Okay. And that's when uh, we got sniper fire first, and then after that, you know, it got heavier. Right. And We were just shooting back and forth, you know, at the enemy. So they called in the, the Cobra gunships. Okay. And I remember seeing those things. Is, it's it's a sight to see those things. Oh yeah. Just tearing it up, you know. Yeah. And after that, everything stayed quiet, and we kept patrolling after that. And I remember seeing enemy all this man mangled you know yeah and that was my first time that i had seen a a dead person okay and i remember we had a a guy there used from oklahoma was this a vietcong the vietcong you know vietcong so it wasn't one of your boys no no okay and i remember i stood there just kind of froze just looking at these guys you know because i had never seen nothing like that you know you know 18 years old right Seeing dead people, you know. And I remember seeing this vehicle. he had uh, all his web, webbing, you know, his right. It's all just dripping with blood, yeah. and I could see, you know, he was just regular pajamas, you know, shorts, right. you know, whatever they call them. And his webbing, his rifle was all just dripping with blood, and I remember just staring at this guy, just staring at. And he had this guy here, his name was David Collins. Okay. From Oklahoma. All right. And he told me, Carlos, he just another, you know, F. Gook. Right. He just come on. And I just kept looking at him like that because to me it was strange, you know. And I remember he got his band in and he took, cut his webbing off and he put it on himself <clears throat> and nothing was just dripping with blood. Wow. All his stuff he had. And after that, I looked at him, and he went ahead and, you know, try I say
0: it? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can say it. Absolutely. He went
1: ahead and got his ears. his knife and cut his ears off. Right. And
0: that made me more like, what are you doing that for, you know? Right. He's desecrating a body. Yeah. Which was a thing. I mean, okay, let's yeah. just let's just take a pause here. Yeah. Uh, many times they would take the ears of the enemy and string them on a string and wrap them around their neck like a necklace. So he, he took his ears off and cut them up.
1: And after that, he put him in his shirt pocket. Wow. And I just kept looking at him like, wow, man, how can you do this, you know? Because <laughs> wow. I had ne- never seen him like that. So we just kept patrolling, patrolling. And then I seen another one. This guy was uh, full uniform. He was an officer with his head on the ground. I remember he got him. Boom, flipped him over two, and all his head in the back was blown off. Yeah, yeah. And I, I could see, you know, like, it was it was a horrible thing to watch, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he did the same thing, too, with him. boom, cut his ears off. Wow.
0: Yeah. So everybody uh, did what, and, and, and this is kind of gruesome or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be, but they did what they had to do to get through it you know, and, and and for them to distance themselves from the thought that these were other human beings. Mm-hmm. They like the man said to you, hey, this is just another gook or whatever the case might be, and and try to dumb down the situation and, and because they have to otherwise they're going to fall apart emotionally and they're not going to be able to get through what they need to get through no. to survive. Um, so this raid on this village, yes, uh, you have had to call in for airstrikes to help you boys out. Right. Uh And you're watching some of your comrades and they're doing these, you know, grotesque things or whatever the case might be. But you know what? All along, the underlying theme is that God had you. Okay. Um, I've read books. I've read stories. Okay. And where uh, 18, 19 year old kids come in and the first time they see these things that you're talking about, that's it for them. They're done they lose their minds. Okay, they literally go ballistic right then and there. Yes, seeing that kind of carnage because it's not normal. It's no. abnormal. Okay, you don't see that every day. No. And um, I mean, I can remember um, and, I, th- th- and I'm, I'm just gonna go back. I don't mean to make this about myself, but I want to throw a story in here. I had seen uh, while I was in the penitentiary, many things of that nature. And uh, one of them uh, was a a fellow that had his intestines, uh, his stomach was ripped open with a razor blade, and he was running across the yard with all of his intestines dragging out behind him. And when I seen that, uh, you know what? It, it shocked me so bad that I didn't eat for days. For several days, I couldn't even eat. But you know what? At some point, I said, wait a minute. If I don't get my faculties, I'm going to be on these psychotropical drugs that a lot of these guys end up getting on that makes matters worse for your own life and your own mentality and your own sanity. And I just I made up my mind that, hey, look, whatever I see, whatever I'm a part of, I'm going to get home at some point with my mind intact. How you guys made it home in, in the shape that you made it home um, after going through all of this stuff is beyond me. That's why I look to God. I say only God. He had you physically. He had you emotionally and he had you mentally. You know that the fact that you came home as whole as you are right now is a testament to the grace of God. So, um, you know, and I appreciate you and I know this is hard for you. Okay, the audience can't see what's going on right now. But ladies and gentlemen, this, you know, recanting this, his time in Vietnam is a struggle for him as it is or would be for anybody who has been through that. And I am so blessed that you've come and, and, and struggle as it may be, got through to tell this story. I want to talk and we have probably about maybe 20 minutes left of the episode. Um, and then, of course, we've already talked. We're going to do a part two um, of this. But I want to ask you about um you know you you've come back to america obviously you went to germany yes right and um was that after you left japan that was after uh i came back from uh, vietnam i was stationed uh
1: back east uh army first headquarters okay and that was it was i had good duty there uh, it was no more training for me or nothing right that's nice
0: so you were you slept better
1: yeah, I slept better. Yeah, you, you slept know, better. Me being that I had came back from Vietnam and experienced, you know, soldier everything. I went to. Uh, I used to escort classified material. And I had security clearance. I had top secret, secret, and we used to go into uh, arsenals. Right. To escort the the material right. out of there. And we used to escort by by plane, by truck, and by train. Right. right. So it was good duty for me, cause it made me feel important. Yeah. Cause uh, during uh, the time we had to escort by air, I had just you know regular civilian clothes. Right. Right. And I always carried uh, a sidearm with me. Right. And then we used to escort. Uh, you know, on the on the roads with the tractor trailers, I would ride with uh, the truck driver with my my uh, carbine rifle there with me. Okay. And whenever, uh,
0: and are you still struggling with your wounds at this time? Uh
1: a little bit, but you know, not as much as I used to. Right. You know. Right. Now, what I'm suffering the after effects of the war. You know. Right. What what all this stuff did to, you know. Right, the Agent know, I was orange, exposed yeah. to Agent Orange. Right. You know, my hearing.
0: Yeah, you yeah, your hearing. Yeah, you're... On you, my
1: left ear, I
0: can't even... That's very common. Yeah. That's very common for and the boys now, that are over My there. vision, you know. Yeah. But, hey. Um, so let me ask you, uh, and I'm kind of leading up here, um, if you don't mind, I'm kind of leading up to um, what we are going to talk about in earnest Um, On part two, which we plan to do that within the next week or so Um, I'd like to have that back-to-back episodes if possible, Lord willing But I want to talk about Your conversion at some point you said I'm going to heaven Uh, At some point I got to give my life to God and get back in where I fit in Get back to the place that my mama has prayed me uh, To be in all along Um, So Obviously when you're in Germany you have some gratitude about being alive. I can't even imagine the overwhelming thoughts that you had about yeah. my God. I lived through that. And how much of those thoughts, uh, did God play? I mean, how, how much, when you were thinking about that and you're living your life and I mean, I know you're still in, in active duty yes. and everything, but I know in the back of your mind, you're saying, well, thank you, Lord. I made it through holding hands with them boys and saying prayers before we got on those helicopters God and you answered them and um, you've kept me alive um so my question I guess is this how much did you think about God while you were in Germany if any at all
1: yes I did you know there was times that I would just lay in my bunk and and remember what what god me, brought me through and I would give thanks you know but I never really thought about, you know, giving my life to the Lord like I, I did right now. Right. Uh, now I'm serving the Lord, and mm-hmm. you know, and I'm very thankful for what he did for me.
0: No, you're doing a great job. Don't give too much of that away because that's going to be part two. I want, okay. to, talk, <laughs> I want to talk about the events um, yeah. and we're getting ready to close out, but I want to talk in in, in part two of this. Uh, I want to talk about your time coming back from Vietnam. And yes. we know the reception that the, that the Americans of the hippie culture, uh, these liberals, if I will, if I may, the, the reception they gave you guys when you came back was far from a hero's welcome. Okay. So you, uh, obviously had to put a life together for yourself. You had to put some, some structure back and it, and, and that's not an easy thing to do when you've, you know, it's like they say, they can bring you out of Vietnam, but it's a far cry to get Vietnam out of you. And so for you to go through what it takes every day to get up and get out of bed and face another day of having to put uh, bread on the table and, 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 and love your wife the way that you do and all the things that are normal in life is a testament to the ultimate love that Jesus Christ has for us. And we're going to talk about um, not only the life that you put together for yourself, but how that led you uh, into the place where you are now in living for God. And so what we'll do is we're going to go ahead and put this on pause. But before we do, and I have uh, your lovely wife is sitting here with us, um, Sister Lopez. Uh, a great support. She's sitting here. uh, They're sitting almost she's almost on his lap. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right, got her arm around him. She's just a great support. Praise God. There's a lot of love right there. And um, so let me ask you, um, um, brother Carlos. um, How long? And and, and, and we're going to leave off right here. But how many years would you say? um, If you're able to tell us after you came home from Vietnam, did you consider yourself to be halfway normal because obviously the effects of it, um, you know, and and I know you never truly get over it. It's, it's with you for life. That's obvious, but at some point, and I know this because of books I've read and I know that many of them come home, they committed suicide, they turned to drugs. They, they, they just couldn't get their lives back to any semblance of normalcy. Um, And probably you struggled for several years or months or whatever it is. How long? Can you tell me? Well, when I
1: came back from Vietnam, you know, it was still fresh in my mind that, you know, what I had gone through. And I was just thankful, you know, that God brought me back, you know, to see my family. And also, uh, I remember while being at the big hospital in Japan, one of the doctors had told me, that on account of my wounds that I would never I will never be able to bear kids. Okay. I guess. But he was only a doctor. <laughs> but God had the last say so. He's not the great physician. So man. after that, you know, I made my first wife, we got married and I fooled that doctor. That's right. I had three big boys. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So, relatively soon you started uh, engaging in the activities um, that would be um, what we would call structuring a life, putting a life together for yourself, going to work every day. Um, how long until
1: you? Well, like I say, after I came back from Vietnam, I kind of struggled at first, you know, trying to, you know, work for a job, look for a job. And when you first get out of service, you know, you, you get unemployment. Right. And I went ahead and uh, I filed for unemployment. And I remember the lady telling me that you got to look for a job. I said, lady, I just came back from Vietnam. And she said, well, you know, like she didn't care. So I said, oh, man, here I go, sir. I almost died up there. Come right. back and I got to go look for a job. I thought unemployment was a benefit, that, you know, for being there. So there was a fellow there. He also, too, he had the same problem. And he kind of said to me, Come here. He said, Well, are they giving you a hassle? I said, yeah. He goes, Come here. Let me show you something. He goes, Get the big yellow book right there. He goes, Get this form here they gave you and look for some names of, of places. And just say, Even if you didn't go, right. just put them out. Right. Write them down. He goes, And you'll get your check in two weeks. And sure, that's what I did.
0: No, that's awesome.
1: So after that, I was only getting fifty-five dollars a week, wow, and that wasn't nothing. So I said, "You know what? I need to do something better than this." Yeah. So I went ahead and applied for the U.S. Forest Service. U.S. Forest, Forest, forestry, Forest U.S. Forest nice. Department. You know forestry. Yeah, that's a federal,
0: and that'll put some money in your pocket.
1: So what I did, you know, being that uh, be before I went into the military, I was at Job Corps Center in the state of Washington. Okay. And I I was trained.
0: What part of Washington?
1: I was up Curlew, Washington. Okay. It was way up north right there by the Canadian border. Right. British Columbia. Right. And while being a job corps, I was trying I was trained to be a firefighter. Okay. The wildland fires. Nice. So after I applied for the US Forest Service, I was picked up to fight fires. And I used to work with a uh the elite hot shot crew, Del Rosa okay. Hot Shots. Nice. And I worked for them, and we went to different states, you know, U.S. Force Service, they fight 854, wherever
0: you're needed. That's awesome. So you went from firefighting from in Vietnam n- to fighting fires in Washington State. Yeah, and then
1: after that, I, I was with uh, the with Del Rosa Hot Shots, and then i was transferred over to mill creek hot shots with a Helltech crew the they used to drop us off in the helicopters right. in the remote
0: areas to fight fires wow so during this time um are you struggling with flashbacks of any type or dreams of at, nightmares? At, at first you know
1: with my late wife she would get up in the middle of the night and say, what's wrong, Colonel? what's wrong? And, you know, to me, I knew there was something going on because, you know, I was having flashbacks, like when I was in Vietnam, the day that I got hit, you know? Yeah. And it was hard for me to understand that that was then. I'm here with my wife now. Right.
0: So but, you, what, what, the, what the audience can't see is that when you talked about, when you just mentioned about your wife saying, Carlos, what's going on? You showed yourself shaking really
1: bad. Oh yes, I was shaking. And just uh, there was times that I just wanted to be by myself. I wanted to be alone. Yeah. A lot of times I would get up in the middle of the night, and I want to just start running, go hide somewhere. Yeah. Be by myself. I guess all that all that time that I wanted to be by myself in the dark. That's the way I used to feel we used to do ambush at night. You yeah. Know?
0: Yeah. And you know, all um,
1: concealed in the dark, you know.
0: So one of the things that intrigues me is that when I, and, and like I said, and this is no exaggeration, because I spent 17 years of my life locked up, and all I read was Vietnam yes. books, because it, that was my fantasy, I guess you could say, as a youngster. I always wish I had gone to that kind of warfare. Um, I don't know, I was just morbid or crazy or whatever, I don't know, call it what you will, but um i know from what i've read um that the point man yes very rarely survived um that the point man being out front inevitably inevitably was going to um lose their life and so the fact that you have come through that and have the testimony that you have you have these medals that they look like they go on forever but you know um and and we're getting ready to wrap it up but i want to say something here you are fighting again yes only this time you're fighting the good fight you're fighting the fight of faith Amen. all right your 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 weapons are not uh carnal all right but they are spiritual and you are uh laying up treasures in heaven And it's exciting to see that you've lived all this life, you know, that you've lived through so much and that I see you faithfully come to church, man. And that excites me. That really does excite me. And so is there any last words that you want to say uh, before we go? We have about three minutes.
1: No, just uh, say that, you know, I'm very thankful to the Lord for what he's brought me through and what he's still doing for me. And, you know, like I say, I've gone through a lot of, a lot of things through my, my life, you know. Yeah. You know, losing my first late wife. Mm-hmm. And then there's other stuff that's happened, you know, in between,
0: you know. Right. Well, we're going to, uh, in part two, we're going to kind of dig into some of those things, if yeah. that's okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Because, you know, life didn't stop serving you heavy blows just because you came out of Vietnam. No. Um I still have a lot of love. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And we want to talk about some of that. And and really all this is is, is it's um, ultimately it's a testament to uh the strength of that right arm of God. Amen. When he carries you through, when he brings you through, hey, it might be painful sometimes. Um we're not always gonna be on the mountain, but you know what? God Ryan,
1: though, was always trying to enter, you know, to okay. always come in between.
0: And that's right, absolutely, and he's always attacking us. But you know mm-hmm. what? God is all powerful. He's He's kept His hands on you, folks. I love and appreciate you both, Thank brother you. and sister Lopez. And I'm so glad that you guys came to do this interview with me today. And, uh, yeah, we're still recording. Um, but you know, um, why do you want to say something else? Huh? Go ahead. All right. No, well, you can say case. anything you want if you want. No, say I just want to know. If you're just still recording. No. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're getting ready to close this out, and I want to thank everybody for being a part of the Do I find You podcast and listening to this great phenomenal testimony mm-hmm. from this young man, uh, Brother Carlos. He is a joy. Uh, and I know that the body of Second Chance Church loves to have you as a part of it. S- sincerely, it wouldn't even be Second Chance without uh-huh. you folks. Uh, the way your wife gets to uh, hooting and hollering uh, when that Shekinah glory comes down. I love that. I love that she lets loose like that. So uh, Lord bless you folks. Thank you so much for coming. Glad to be thank
1: here. You. Yes, thank
0: you. Uh-huh. Wow. What an incredible testimony uh, that God kept him through that carnage. Uh, You know, when you start looking at the different wars we've had in our era, uh, I mean, any war is bad, but the way that Vietnam was fought um, with lots of new technology that had come onto the scene um, with close quarter fighting, hand-to-hand combat, Uh, raiding villages, being ambushed, and all this sort of stuff. You know, there was no war really like it, as far as the carnage goes, as far as the death toll goes. Um, And it was just a unique war to its own. And, you know, I always regretted not being able to go myself. I was born in 1969. And um, as early as I can remember, second, third, fourth grade i'd always fantasized about being in that kind of war uh you know and i i would be bb gun fighting with the neighbor kids and uh, we'd be playing army and and i would always think man i wish i could have been there you know and i got real fascinated with the vietnam war early early on in my life but you know i'm 51 years old now and sitting down and going through brother carlos's book uh he's got a uh, uh, a, a, a photo book several photo books actually of everything that that vietnam was about and hearing his story and and looking back now i, I think to myself i would have never made it there's no possible way uh, I, i'm not cut from that cloth i, I would have just probably lost my mind over there or, or, or got killed early but uh you know the, the, the and, and truthfully um, you know, I don't want to sound like a sissy, but you know, when you go through a, a, a Creek, and a come out the other side of a, a river that's chest high and you're covered in leeches, I can't take it. I can't have no bugs on me. I'm a, I'm a I'm scared to death of gnats. What am I talking about? And going into a tunnel where there's snakes and all that? No, I couldn't have done it. There's no way. I commend this man for not only the life he's lived, uh, but for coming on the podcast and, and that was part one. We're going to go into part two in the next episode. We're going to talk with him uh, further at length about his testimony and the life he put together for himself coming out of the Vietnam War and um, how God ultimately saved him. He comes from an apostolic background. Thank God he had a prayer warrior for a mother uh, who who prayed for him and God ultimately answered her prayer, kept him safe. He, you know, he, he he wasn't without wounds. He's not without scars uh, mentally, emotionally, and physically. But guess what? He made it out alive. And, uh, you know, he could raise his hands in church and cry out to God today. Uh, he has breath in his lungs where he can be a great, great joy, at second chance church as he reaches out and, and praises the name of Jesus. I'm so happy to be a friend of Brother Carlo's. Uh, I am so glad that he has um, been fighting the good fight now, and um, uh, just a warrior. This guy's a straight stone cold warrior. All right, he is a real hero. I honor you and your family, Brother Lopez. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm going to jump right in now to my my uh, uh, segment that I'm going to end every podcast episode on is divine appointments. Let me say something real quick though, before I get into it, uh, brother Cartwright, If you're listening, Lord bless you and your family. You are dear to me. I love, you know, he came in and he put his hand on me while I was praying at church the other day. He always prays for me. Okay. But, uh, I don't know. It just, uh, it just did something to me and I just thank God for you. Uh, you are a blessing in my life. And I appreciate you so, so very much. Lord bless you today. And um, um, I'm going to jump in here to let me let me tell you real quick, folks, about the divine appointment. Um, there's been talk over the last couple of days about a young man from Brother uh, Pastor Miles Young's church there in um, Elk Grove, and um, he has a, a brother that has is backslidden. He's somewhere in Michigan and um, my buddy David Hall and this fella have decided that we all need to get on a plane and go on to uh, go on a soul-saving mission from God and go find this young backslider and try to bring him back to the Lord um, hopefully in a matter of hours because I know I can't be gone that long. my wife won't have it but you know what when it comes to a soul, um, there's probably not a whole lot I wouldn't do to to see a backslider or someone lost come to the Lord. And so, you know, I'm going to keep you abreast of this situation um, further in the next episode. But I don't know where divine appointments is going to lead me and, and my buddies. But you know what? The Lord knows. All right. We're just going to lend ourselves to, to God And do what we feel to do in the Holy Ghost. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, brothers and sisters, without any further to do, um, my phone conversation with my buddy David Hall, uh, talking about divine appointments. Hello. And good morning to you, my brother David Hall. morning sir you are live do i offend you podcast all right i got about 14 minutes and i'm gonna need to talk with you for uh every little bit of that about some divine appointments uh where we left off in our initial segment uh last the last episode Uh, we talked about dang we talked about shannon I know you've had some more divine appointments i myself have had some divine appointments that have actually led to bible studies this week but um what i want to do is um and you know what i love i love a, uh, i'm sorry i gotta I, I gotta put this segment on hold literally for a minute just to talk about what's coming up uh, friday afternoon this coming friday i'm going to northern california we're gonna do some fishing dave but not just for cats and the stripers. <laughs> we're gonna be fishing for men, amen and amen.
2: We're fishing for everything, bro. we amen to that, amen to that. We're 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 going, to, and we ain't just we ain't just out there to catch them. We're gonna be out there. We're 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 out there to get some keepers. We're out there. We're not we're not we're not getting out there to get the uh uh what is it? The catch and release. This ain't the catch and re- release.
0: Date. Amen to that. This is this is about keeping them, keeping so them brother. we're going to end our fishing trip with um with a with it with a trip to elk grove to pastor miles young's church the rock church i can't tell you how excited i am to go visit him and that apostolic people over there i know they got the fire going yeah yeah but uh so yeah. we've been praying for ding we've been praying for shannon and uh from what I understand and and, and I, I want you to clear this up for me, is it official that Dang who who, who fell into the divine appointment trap of God, hallelujah, is gonna be going yeah. with this fishing this weekend. Um yes, yes and no. Uh
2: this it depends on what what he's got going on as far as his uh um, I know he's mentioned uh, some things about about uh, between business and family. So uh, we're, we're I'm not going to I'm not going to speak on his behalf because, uh, you know, any minute
0: it could change. But God willing, he goes with us.
2: Lord Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, he, uh, so he's yeah. been invited and there's been a maybe. Can we can we get that?
2: Yeah, 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 I'm I'm pretty sure we can get we can get that out of him because he's uh well,
0: we're, we're going to pray that. We're going to give that to the Lord cuz there there's nothing I want more than to have him standing next to us uh for about 12 hours on the river bank uh while we talk about uh the rivers of living water.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um uh, man, the, the, the guys coming around, I'm telling you it's it's a sets uh, the last divine appointment and um man, you know god's been God's been putting a lot of things on his heart. God's been putting a lot of things on my heart. I mean, you know um not too long ago he he's he, God gave me a word to give to him, but since since he listened to uh that last segment or that last divine appointment uh segment that we put out, he is really he, he's really touched by it because he was telling me he said, man, you know it's kind of crazy how. God put those things on your heart to speak to me through that, and it really, it really spoke to me, and so I was like, "Wow, this, this is amazing!" and 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 that's why I knew that we we and not just we, but you you are called to do what you're doing right now, and we are called to be doing the divine appointment together. Because it, if it wasn't if, if it wasn't that, then you know you know what is it? Because I mean, right. because if, God's, exactly. if God's if God's putting stuff on our hearts, and you know, if God's if God's speaking to people through through this, then you know how it how, how th- this in itself is a divine appointment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to fire on you when I see you. <laughs> I love it, brother. I love it. Hey, so it's you know, awesome. um, I'll tell you what it's it's yeah. it's kind of like. Well, it goes right along with the initiating of this podcast. And when I first started the podcast, you know, I said to myself and other people, too, they said, hey, you know, if you reach one soul, if one soul comes on board, you know, if one backslider comes back, it's going to be worth it all. And while that is true, I am greedy uh, in the soul saving ministry. I want to pull them in like a net full of fish. And, uh, you know but this yeah. this same segment here that i'm doing with you this divine appointment segment and yeah. divine appointments are so important because really Absolutely. what it is it's god orchestrating that little place in time where oh, david yeah. hall can slide up to his his buddy dang and uh, in the trucking industry and start yeah. planting seeds you know uh, brother spencer jordan was telling us uh just a couple days back he said you know every time you open up your mouth and you're holy yep. ghost filled seeds yep. come out seeds come out yep. every time you open your mouth and that's what i love about you bro because you talk non-stop about the things of god you're you're shameless okay you're like your dad you got no qualms about talking jesus with anybody anytime anywhere in fact why don't you why don't you jump in here and tell us a little bit about the divine appointment that happened over a car washing <laughs> over a car washing uh um i don't know what you guys did there was water appointment, spots on the appointment. Car.
2: yeah yeah so 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 a friend of mine well actually so me and dang were gonna go and uh sit down and have lunch <clears throat> kind of had a like a last minute uh thing come across my plate and um i you know we me and this friend,
0: we haven't touched bases in about a year, maybe a little over a so year. So, so, so your appointment with Dang got canceled, and then somebody else came sliding in right behind him. Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, my friend Erica, her, Erica Lee. Oh, uh, well, Erica Blake now, but um, her and her and her um uh her significant other. Uh, well, I would say boyfriend or uh. Yeah, so her and her boyfriend, they, they, and her daughter, um, they came over the house and I, you know, they asked me about some questions previous or prior to that. And I told them, I said, you know, why don't you guys just come over and let me take care of it real, real quick for you guys. I got all the, I got all the chemicals to, you know, uh, to remove the water spots and, and, you know, give the car a nice little shine and whatnot. And so, uh, so she says, Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I'll come over and we'll we'll knock it out real quick. And so um she comes over and and um you know, then the appointment kinda of falls through with Dang and because, you know, he's got other things that he's gotta take care of too and it just it didn't work out exactly as planned and so me and um me and Erica are right there we're just sitting there and uh after I I I'd accomplished doing what I'm doing, we're sitting there, we're
0: talking. I'm, you know, then. You let know, me let I'm, me let me interject real quick because I, yeah, I, yeah. I I re I recall specifically you telling me this the other day on the phone that this is a woman that you had led to the Lord, got full of the Holy Ghost earlier in life, several years prior. Is that correct?
2: Sixteen years ago.
0: Okay, continue. Sixteen
2: years ago. 16 years ago, I actually, when we were in Acts 29 there at Christian Life Center, I actually was able to be a part of praying her through to the Holy Ghost. I mean, you know, uh, I was there when she got baptized, Um, you know, she's saved, she is a saved woman, she, I mean, you know, just like any of us, we have our, we have our downs, and so, you know, we, you know, there's times you know, there's p-
0: people that backslide and I was one of them. She's one of them. You okay, know. so I let mean, me, mean, let, let me, she's coming back around. All right, she's coming back around. Okay, but so as of right now, she is not saved. She's backslidden from the state that she uh, was once in when you led her to Christ, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. All wrong, I, I want to clarify wrong, that because we, we, yeah. we believe backslidden is backslidden. When you're backslidden, yep. hell's hotter for you. So it's all the more urgent and, and with the sense of desperation, that we make the best of these divine appointments in how we lead people back, especially the backslider. You know, I am all about the backslider. So go ahead. Continue. You guys start talking. You're in your driveway. You're washing water spots off her car. Is her boyfriend with her or not?
2: Her boyfriend Sean's with her. Yeah, he is. And then her daughter, Serafina is with her and um, her daughter is over there playing with my kids and they're enjoying that. They're having a good old time. You know, they're, they're eating whatever they want and just kind of, doing kids stuff and then uh her boyfriend's there listening in and um me and him have some great conversations and and, and a lot of it has to do about god and and how and how they're they're try- trying to di- divert our attention away from god which is called the antichrist movement i break it down for them a little uh, for him quite a bit she knows exactly what i'm talking about because she's been around it for quite some time prior to that uh and so it was just like it was just like uh you know, after the whole thing was said and done, I was like, you know this wasn't about a car wash. This wasn't about removing water spots. Amen.
0: This it was, was about the, it was this about was the washing clearly, and regenerating of a soul.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was clear it was clear what what God what God had in plan there. It wasn't it wasn't it, it, it seriously wasn't
0: um
2: about, you know, oh well my car this or my car that I mean it was very much just very much like your sister's situation. That wasn't
0: about a tire. Right, right. You know, this, this, see, that, this, wasn't about, yeah. that wasn't about that
2: wasn't about our car falling
0: apart. Hey, these that divine was- appointments always have a cover to them. Okay. They always have a little guys Okay. God will use anything. I'm telling you what, it's absolutely spectacular. So I got I, I want to get to we got about four minutes here. So what I want to do is I want yeah. I, I want to try to get a good sense or a picture of yeah. What is except what is said what looks are exchanged? What kind of feelings are there when she pulls up? You haven't seen her in Who knows how long how many years?
2: Uh, Actually, the last time I actually seen her was about
0: a year ago a little over a year ago Okay, so uh, but she knows you're she knows you're on fire for the Lord right now She walks in because there's always and I know I've been a backslider before and, and there's something about coming around God's people when you know you're full of conviction you're full of it's almost an embarrassing type of situation and awkward because you just don't feel right your heart's not right you're you're you're, you're just not right and no, so it, yeah
2: Go ahead.
0: so i'm just wondering if you guys addressed that in any way at all initially
2: um now you know, you know what um our our friendship um, because of how we've established our friendship our friendship is so is so tight like it's almost unbreakable like it's just one of those she's one of those friends where we can pick up where we left off even, even if it's like 10 years down the road
0: i love that i absolutely love that now let, let, and, let me uh, yeah. I, and i know i i do a lot of talking here but i, yeah. I, I've, no, I I've been holding off for 12 minutes and 35 seconds Uh, From saying this, but this is something that has caused me a lot of thought, a lot of joy, a lot of anticipation over the last few days since we spoke about this divine appointment of yours. They just happen to live in Elk Grove near the Rock Church. Is that correct?
2: They live in like the outgrowth Grove Sacramento area. So, yeah, they, they, they live relative to Rock Church. Yeah, absolutely. Brother Miles, Brother Miles would love to have them in, in a congregation.
0: Absolutely. Of course. It, it, there's no doubt about that. So it's our intention when we go down there to already have it set up where we meet with them uh, at the Rock Church and then go have lunch.
2: Absolutely. I mean, that's that's in my that's in my high my highest of of. of uh, ex- expectations, and I and I, I I'm gonna tell you right now. She she when she's in church, man, she is a woman of God. She loves God with everything she's got. Um, and, and especially at the time, whenever she first came in, it was uh, it was like, man, you know, she she'd been going through some family things, you know, uh, between her mom and dad and stuff like that. And so things. Things hadn't gone too well exactly as far as, you know, her you know, her mom and dad and like her regular personal life as far as that. But she developed a spiritual relationship with God, a spiritual walk with God that was like unbreakable and you could see it in her and she was like this you could tell you could tell a holy, holy ghost filled person when they're just walking. You just that's know right, you're like yeah. that's the Holy Ghost filled person. Just because, you know and just by the, the the way they look by the way they smile by the way they and 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 even 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 as far off as she's gone i know she i know she talks to god i know i know yeah. she does yeah because just by just by the way she doesn't have a problem talking about god yeah. you know what i mean
0: Yeah, it's it good
2: but but you can tell that you know at some point during the conversation you know god god is is like trying to drag her back
0: right and, and of course and he, and, and, and he's using you uh yeah. you know as a tool to do that and and that's right. um i mean that's a humble feeling when you know that god's using you to woo a soul back yep. into the place they're supposed to be in the kingdom of god so what is her boyfriend's name
2: her boyfriend's name is sean sean uh, so not
0: exactly erica and sean uh ladies yep. and gentlemen brothers and sisters uh, if you're out there and you're connected to God and you are a prayer warrior, we're going to be praying all week long. It's Monday morning early. We're going to be praying for uh, Sean and Erica uh, that God will use my good friend and brother amen. in Christ, David Hall, amen. to get these amen. people to the altar at the Rock Church on Sunday. I'm excited yeah. about it, boy. But, yeah. um uh,
2: they're, man, great couple Um You know, she. she, Well, here's 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 one thing. Like since I've been coming back to church, God's been putting on my heart. A lot of these people that I prayed through, through to the Holy Ghost, or you know, been a part of, or um, been a part of bringing them into church, or been a part of. uh, Kind of, it's kind of, and it's kind of crazy, actually. Actually, um, the one, the one that. A buddy, I got to give a shout out to a buddy named Miguel Hernandez. His dad has uh, a little a little church there in Stockton too, um, little UPC church. Um, and and he's he's uh, brother Miguel. He's he's the older, he's senior,
0: and so but little
2: Miguel is the one that brought her around back 16 years ago, 17 years ago when we were youngsters.
0: Yes. Nice. <laughs> So uh,
2: you know, I got to give a shout out to Miguel, and and you know, because if I if it wasn't for Miguel, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known her. So I got to give him a little bit of credit on that. So right, right. it's uh and um, man, it was just it, it, it's an you know, ever since I started recently coming back to church, God's been putting it on my heart to pray for the to not just pray for these people, but to work on bringing them back because I was just like, man, you know. It's not that I feel responsible why they left, but I feel like I'm responsible like I have some type of responsibility of bringing them back. You
0: know what I mean? Right, right, right. And in and, the meantime, so in the meantime, uh, you know, it's up to us to make the most of the divine appointments. When God puts someone absolutely. in our path, we have to make the most of it. That's what I, you know, I'm all fired up about your walk with the Lord and and how yeah. God's using you and and I'm just going to watch God's using you man. No, I really am man. You know what? And, and you know what? I pray that he continues to use me. I mean, that's what we're called to do. We're not called to sit on our rumps, uh, on some apostolic pew and think that we've arrived or that we've made it. It's up to us to go out and start bringing in the sheaves. That's just what it's all about. Anyhow, we're going to close this segment for now. We're going to be praying for Sean and Erica, and we're going to keep, uh, Uh, Through our next segment, we're going to talk about how our fishing trip went, how our weekend went, how our soul saving aspirations turned out. I know I'm fired up, boy. But um, so, Brian David Hall, I want to say goodbye to you for now. Sure sure. love and appreciate you. Thank you for letting us check in with you. And until next week,
2: 100%, brother. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I'm, I'm sure God has something up his sleeve.
0: I know he, yeah, does, he does,
2: and I'm, I'm glad <laughs> we're a part of it. Oh, dude, I am I am honored. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't be more honored to be a part of God's work. But let uh, I, I, let me put it like this: I couldn't be more honored to be a part of uh, Divine Appointment and uh, Do I Find You podcast, and 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 let alone let me just you know it,
0: God's work. Being a part of God's work is the main, main thing. Amen. Uh,
2: and I just, I just, you know, couldn't
0: push it hard enough. Nope, that's that right. We, this is where we all need to be, people. This is where we all
2: need to be. We need to be looking on the on this lookout for our di- for each and every person that's listening to this, for our divine appointments, because right. God's bring God will bring something across each and every one of your paths that you may not even realize that you came across it, but you
0: you know that's right that
2: this is this is what what me and carl are actually doing are just trying to point out what you guys have either experienced or what you're about to experience and it it, it, could
0: be any any
2: of anything there could be anything that could be a divine appointment you just you just gotta be on the lookout
0: You never know. I'm looking forward to seeing you yes. next weekend, my brother David Hall. Lord yeah, bless you. Hey, tell your family, man. Sure, love and appreciate them. Your 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 precious wife and them kids, man. They said hello.
2: They said hello. Uh, they 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 told me uh, yesterday. They
0: said tell tell Carl that uh, we said hello when you talk to him. <laughs> awesome. All right. Lord <laughs> bless. We're checking out. Yes, sir. My buddy, David Hall, Lord bless you. I appreciate you so much and the time that you devote to the Divine Appointment segment of this podcast. Looking forward to uh, things to come. I don't know where God's leading us with all of this, but wherever He wants us to go, whatever He wants us to say, whatever He wants us to do, we're going to do it. Uh, And that brings me to uh, the transition that we're going through here at Second Chance Church. Thank God for his goodness and for his plans for the church uh, collectively as well as his plan and his perfect will for each individual at the church hey if you're part of second chance church more power to you lord bless you may he keep you and bless you and multiply you amen uh we are really excited about the things to come uh, Pastor Johnny Walker, I can't wait to see what God does with this young man. He is as sweet as they come, and it's a privilege and an honor, uh, and it's it's actually very humbling to be a part of what God is going to do in his life. Um, Lord bless everyone. I want to say real quick, uh, I want to give a, a shout-out, actually, to a couple people. Uh, Brother Ray Munoz and his bride-to-be, Sister Selena, Uh, They are getting married today at three o'clock. Lord bless them. And uh, may you have lots of babies and grow in the Lord together as you are now going to be one flesh. Uh, Brother and sister Boatman, Lord bless you. Getting ready to uh, possibly here in the near future tag team some of my Bible studies with Brother Ray, uh, with uh, Brother Ray, with Brother Boatman, Brother John Boatman. Uh, He has got a massive Burden for the lost. Uh, He is unashamed of the gospel. He is bold in how he goes out and does his own Bible studies. And I look forward to doing some work with him. Thanks again, ladies and gentlemen, for lifting me and my ministries up in prayer. Continue to pray for me uh, that God has his way, that he has his perfect will. Um, So, um, brother and sister Carlos, once again, looking forward to our next episode where we're going to go. Uh, a little bit further at length in talking about the life that Brother Carlos put together for himself after coming home from the Vietnam War. And let me tell you, that was not pleasant. Uh, The reception that these young boys got, that these heroes got uh, from some of these hippie, drug-filled liberals was absolutely atrocious. It was a a, a full-on nightmare. And I can't even go into it too much or I'll sit here and get mad about it. But um, anyhow, looking forward to part two of that interview. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Please keep the podcast in prayer. Uh, Please keep Second Chance Church in prayer. And uh, Lord bless you all. Thank you so much.